Episode 3, Shaking the Family Tree. I have my cousin Stevie Fields from all the way up in Chicago. Yes, sir. So, uh, what was childhood like in Chicago? Uh, it, was, it was a little rough. I mean, I'm not, you know, sometimes I wish I was born down here. I wouldn't have gone through so much. Mm-hmm. But it made me who I am. So what's different uh, for you from Edmonton to Chicago? What's the main difference? Ah, uh, the main difference. People, atmosphere. Yeah, everything. Night skies. Night skies. There's actually a sky I didn't know until I moved down here. But I've always, you know, every time we uh, vacation down here, I always wanted to stay. But we always had to go back. So I didn't like that part. Yeah. But you used to come down here. And uh, they used to come down here. You're... That side of the family that lives in Chicago, they used to come down here all the time, but kind of COVID hit, and then every, everything kind of slowed down. Yeah. I would say it slowed down before that, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, lost my parents back in 04 and 05. They, they uh, passed away of cancer 14 months apart. My dad went first, and then my mom. And uh, we used to vacation down here, like, every summer. And I got in a few bicycle accidents down here, and... You know, I once swallowed chew that I wasn't supposed to, and <laughs> you know, learned my lesson there. So, school like for you growing up? Uh, well, elementary school was good, mm-hmm. but once I hit about freshman year, that's when everything basically went downhill. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting story how you uh, became friends with your with your uh, one of your closest friends, Anderson. Oh. He was kind of the school bully. And Good old Anderson. You yeah. kind of fought back a little bit. Well, Anderson so. and his brothers, I don't know if you've seen that Adam Sandler movie, they had a Doyle Rules. His family was the Doyles. Yeah. Uh, I was in eighth grade. He was in seventh grade. And uh, the eighth graders came up first. And uh, I was, you know, waiting in the hallways all the time. And his class would pass me. And this big bastard would always push me into the locker. So one day, I decided I had enough about probably three months into it every single day. So I bent down, and uh, I picked up a broken floor tile that was sitting next to a water fountain, and I waited for him. Sure as shit, here he comes. <laughs> and uh, hit me into my locker, so I rebounded off my locker, and I caught him on the side of the neck. And uh, put a big old welt on his neck, and then in turn... He turned around and punched me, and I went flying through his classroom. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he said I was a crazy motherfucker. So, ever since then, we've been thick as thieves, so to speak. Every every uh, court case I've ever had, he was my co-defendant on. Wow. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of crazy. So, after you got done with high school... I, after, I, had, I had the early program. Yeah, the early program. <laughs> <laughs> the let's get out of here program. Yeah. So from there to the point you lived here, how crazy was that time period? From the time that you left high school to the time that you moved down here. Oh wow. How long? How long a stretch was that? Uh well, I I dropped out of high school my second for, uh, sophomore year because I failed sophomore year. How so. old was you? Uh, well, let's see, 13, 14, 15. I was about 16. Well, when I signed myself out, I was 17. 17. Yeah, my, I had to have my dad come up there and do it. And then you moved down here. 
I moved what? down here, uh, 2000, uh, what was it? About 16. So 2016. How old, how old was you then? Uh, well, that was five years ago. I'm going on my sixth year. January, uh, 12th will be, uh, six years down here. Yeah. So how old was you? Uh, let me see, six years ago, I was 30... 37? 37. See, so, it takes me a minute. Yeah, I should have stayed in school. So, you you left school when you were 16. You had 37. There was a 21-year gap there. Yeah. So, what was uh, what was life like during that 21 years? Oh, shoot. Let's see. <laughs> How could I say it without making myself sound like a criminal? <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's, let's start here. Okay. I don't want to make you sound like a criminal, but you did go to boot camp. I did. I did. So. Involuntarily. Yeah. So how did you end up in boot camp? Doing. Well. well, Anyway. I I, I was a bad guy and got in trouble. mm -hmm. So. Okay. So when you got to boot camp, you don't have to say much about how you got to boot camp. But when you got there. I took a bus. (laughs) So when you got to boot camp, how weird was that situation because you know you've never been in that kind of environment oh. before well it was kind of like a military based boot camp for uh you know people that got in trouble mm-hmm. and uh when we first got there there was a lot of screaming and yelling and uh yeah the the instructors were crazy and uh shoot i mean it was just it, it was it was an experience that's for sure it, it scared me straight so did y'all train like military guys? Well, we were up by five and down by nine. In between, we double timed. That was wow. their motto. Yep, and that's where I learned if one's wrong, you're all wrong. Yeah. Even if you didn't do nothing. So I was at a uh, what do you call it? A co-ed boot camp. Mm-hmm. And when I got in trouble, I had my daughter's mom got in trouble with me, mm-hmm. and uh, she showed up, mm-hmm. and uh. By then, I was three months into it on a four-month program, and uh, she got caught talking to me. And when she got caught talking to me, instead of saying she was talking to me, she said she was talking to one of my uh, co-boot campers. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, he was probably about a week away from going home. And uh, when you get in trouble talking to a female uh, boot camper... They'll send you right back. To, they'll send you to prison, basically. Mm-hmm. So, when I went in there, I was looking at four months or four years in prison. So I decided I'm going to make it through this four month program. Well, when she got in trouble, she uh, singled out one of the guys, and uh, I caught wind that they were going to send them to jail to prison. So I went to the superintendent, and uh, I couldn't see that happen, you know. So I went to the superintendent, and I told told the lady because it was a woman. I said that, uh, you know, inmate so-and-so was talking to me. It wasn't talking to the guy that she pointed out. So I guess they really appreciated that with my honesty and everything. And uh, I saved that guy from going to prison because I, I, I couldn't do that to him. You know, I could have just kept my mouth shut. But two days later, they shipped me down to a different boot camp. So I went from Dixon Springs, which was really rough and hard, into Ducoin boot camp, which was more or less like a like a resort. But when I got there, people were leaning up on the walls. They weren't 
what they call locked and cocked. They weren't standing straight, you know. So I had 30 days to do, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. Until I ran across Officer Bonds. <laughs> Officer Bonds was too rough at, du at uh, Dixon Springs, so he got shipped to Ducoin. Well, uh, that guy Bonds, he was the only guy that knew where I came from. And he knew how laid back it was at this one. And uh, yeah, he, he wouldn't call me Fields. He called me Dixon Springs. And for the last 30 days, I couldn't eat a warm lunch. I had to eat a bag lunch. Wow. And he just did that on purpose. He's an ass. Yeah, he's 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 a he's not a nice guy. <laughs> so, do you remember your first night at Dixon Springs? Yeah, yeah. It's I didn't sleep at all. Uh, it was real rough sleeping mm -hmm. because uh, they they basically yelled at us like the whole time we were there, mm -hmm. and uh, they made us shave our facial hair, mm -hmm. which I kind of got kind of got a um, pass. Not a pass. I kind of got a, a a preview of it because what I did was I, I pinballed all the way down Illinois, stopping at every penitentiary there was on my way to the boot camp. So I had inmates telling me, you know, boot camps like this and like this. So they kind of like, they told me that I needed to shave my goatee before I got there because it'd be real rough doing it. But yeah, basically they yelled at you the whole time shaving so you would cut yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, everybody in my little class, we had cuts on our chins and on our cheekbones, and it was just hell. It was it was crazy. So what was the training? Like, was there a certain, like, amount of push-ups or pull-ups that you had to do? Well, when I first got there, I was a ghost. They called it a ghost. That's a two-week. Uh, the first two weeks, I did half of what everybody was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never worked out. I never, you know, I wasn't into fitness. Yeah, so if somebody mm -hmm. ran two miles, you just run one mile. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. And then if they had to do 25 push-ups, I'd do like 10, yeah. you know, and then that's how it was. But, yeah, we, we uh, PT'd in the morning, and then we PT'd in the afternoon, so we had two of them. But every time you got in trouble, they would make you PT. Mm -hmm. So by the time I left, I was doing push-ups like nothing. Yeah. Like Like walking. It was crazy. Yeah. So it was pretty rough. It was. Yeah. So you waking up every day sore, tired. Oh, yeah. Sleep yeah. deprived. Just worn Dehydrated. Out. Dehydrated. <laughs> everything you can think of that's bad. Yeah, everything in, under the sun over there. It was, so when you moved to the other boot camp, what was it called? Not Dixon Springs. DuCoin. DuCoin. Yep. So when did you uh, get out of that boot camp? And uh, how, did that, how, did that, how does that process work? Well, when I got in, I had a certain graduation day. My graduation day ended up being um, uh, the day before Thanksgiving that year. So when I got there, they uh, told me, you know, my graduation day. Mm -hmm. Well, their class, because we went in like classes, like mm -hmm. a bunch of people, you know, you go into it and then you all graduate when you make it through it. You all graduate at the same day. Mm -hmm. Well, they graduated the day before me. So I got to see all of them leave. And then the next morning was my turn. And I was the only one doing it. Wow. Yeah. So. So these boot camps, they're strictly like prison boot camps or like military boot camps as well? Well, there was no fences. Mm -hmm. But we were out in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, yeah, it's. It, you couldn't leave because, I mean, if you left, you'd be a fugitive. And plus, you didn't know where you were exactly. And. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I remember having the COs come and they would show like hunting boars mm-hmm. and nobody wants to run into a boar. So we kind of just stayed there. A boar? Yeah. What's a boar? Like the, like the pigs. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, the pigs with the horns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. You don't want to run into a family of them. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. so this is like in a like a like what what's surrounding you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's grass, grass, trees. Wow. Yeah, and there was no fences. So I mean, it, it, you could have ran. I mean, there was every day you could have ran. So it's, so it's kind of the guards saying you can run, but we're gonna catch you. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because even if you ran, like you said, you don't know where you are. No. Uh-uh. And I, all I knew was I was like, I was probably like, I think it was 30 miles to Paducah, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So I was like way south of Illinois. Yeah. And there was no way. It wasn't worth it. Because yeah. I only had like four months in boot camp. In four months, you don't want to run away. It's 120 days. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too bad. But I made it. Yeah. And I haven't gotten in trouble since. So when, you, so when you graduated... And you came back, you came back to Chicago. Yeah. Well, not came back, but you went to Chicago. Yeah, I went back home. Yeah. Yeah, because my, uh, my mom and my dad were still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes when military guys come back from, you know, boot camps or overseas or whatnot for a certain point of time, they come back and they kind of act a little different, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Oh, Stand yeah. up straight. Was that a reality for you for a, yeah. a while? Yeah, because I remember, well, since I graduated by myself, my class back in Dixon Springs was graduating the same time I did. It's just they were in Dixon and I was over here in DuCoin. So we had to take the bus. I had to take the bus back. And I ended up seeing a couple of my buddies on the bus because I jumped on the bus and they were already on the bus. So I like reunited, so to speak, with them guys. And uh, there was this one Mexican guy, Hernandez. And when we talked, he was like, hey, when I was still in Dixon Springs, he's like, when we get back to Chicago, because it's kind of like a Greyhound, you know, but you could tell who was who because we were wearing state clothes, which is like a white T-shirt and blue dickies, you know. And uh, we had a plan that his brother was going to pick us up from the Greyhound station. And he's like, yeah, you could ride home with, with us. And I was like, all right, that sounds cool. Well, when I got there, his brother was there in a conversion van. Well, I didn't know, I didn't realize that he was part of them La Raza gang. He was La Raza, Mexican gang. So there I am in a bus or in a, uh, in a van getting back to my neighborhood with a van load of gangbangers. <laughs> so we ended up stopping at his house because he wanted to see his uh, girlfriend. So we stopped at a gas station, and I picked up a 22-ounce of Corona. You know, hey, why not? So even before I touched down back at my house, I was in an alley with a bunch of Mexican gangbangers, drinking beer, hanging out. And I was like, I'm going right back to jail. I'm not going to even make it home. But I made it home. I got off the bus at probably about like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't make it back home till like 7. Mm-hmm. But I made it. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, but like you said, with that whole yes, sir, no, sir... I was, uh, I had to do house arrest for, oh shoot, I don't even know. I think it was like a couple months. And uh, I called in because I had to check in when I got home. And uh, I kept saying, sir, after everything. And the guy, you could tell he was like my age. And he's like, you ain't got to say sir. And I was like, well, it's kind of like, you know, I'm stuck doing it. So, yeah, definitely. It was, it was a change. I didn't come back the same. You know, it, 
I, I learned my lesson, so to speak. Like, mm. I didn't get in trouble since then. So you say it straightened you up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Like that Scared Straight program? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely straightened me up. So when you watch that Scared Straight stuff, is that pretty much how it is? Like, all the TV shows and everything, is that pretty much, like, you know, what you see is what you get uh, with that stuff? To a certain point. I mean, I think... Is it, it's probably not always that hectic no. as it is on the TV. No, I think they, they kind of, like, juice it up. Yeah. You know, like, the inmates try to act a little harder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like... For the uh, camera. Yeah, for the yeah. camera. That's what I think. Things. So, you was growing up in Chicago, you know, there's a lot of, you know, things going on, so to speak. You know, a lot of gangs, a lot of violence, stuff Absolutely. like that. Where you lived... Uh, is there a certain name? There's got to be a certain name. What was it? You live close to the airport? Yeah. Chicago? I lived on one of the corners of Midway Airport. I, mm-hmm. I was from 63rd and Central, yeah. which is uh, basically I grew up on the 5600 block of uh, 64th Street. Yeah, so to my understanding, you had a group of people. I don't want to call you a gang. You had a group of people. Friends. That would, buddies. Yeah, buddies that would kind of protect that area. Right. Because, see, we all grew up in that neighborhood. Yeah. You know, our parents knew everybody like our parents knew each other we went to school together so basically like as we got older we've noticed like all i i don't want to start naming name like different crews but like all the brand names yeah. like you know like uh the brand name games we didn't want them to come and claim 63rd central yeah. so we started just we went against everybody because mm-hmm. i mean like we didn't want anybody in there because that was our neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh it, it's kind of weird like i don't know it's hard to explain but our neighborhood was our neighborhood yeah. and that's all we had mm-hmm. so all we had was friends and buddies. so it'd be like it'd be something like if green county wanted to come over to metcalf and start, call it green county yeah and start call it green county yeah you ain't so, gonna call that green county. did you ever have green any- county sucks by the way <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. Did you have uh, Did you have any run-ins with any of the bigger names? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We had uh, we had run-ins with a certain crew that was like the shorties of another one. Yeah. But we were we were cool with the older guys. Yeah. So now that we had problems with their guys that were coming up, it was like triple A, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make it to the majors. Mm-hmm. Well, we we were friends with the guys that were in the majors, mm-hmm. so we had to go talk to them. And tell them, hey, we got problems with these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, they were like, do what you got to do. Because if they want to be us, they got to show it. So is y'all cut down from any majors? No. Uh, you we started your fresh. own thing. We started fresh. Y'all was just your own kind of yeah. yep. deal. We started from scratch. So it's just it was just y'all. There's no one else that was that's no. under y'all. Uh-uh. It's nope. just y'all. There was no one under us and no one over us. So there's no one in that neighborhood now? Uh... Well, I got like maybe one or two friends mm-hmm. that are still there. Yeah. But they said that it, it changed a whole lot. Really? So it it's like they say it just it ain't the same no more. Change better or change worse? Oh, see, it, in ways probably both. both. Yeah. But see, I'm not into the I don't I don't know the ins and outs of it anymore, mm-hmm. so I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Right you know, it's probably best. So do you have any story of running into a bigger <laughs> type of? Oh, shoot. We could be here till tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) Let me think. Was there ever a point where you was, you looked and there was, you know, a big group of people and you knew who they were and you had to kind of go the other way because you knew what they was about? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, one time, 
uh, th there was this uh, carnival going on, and I was walking with good old Anderson. And uh, by the way, Anderson's this huge guy. Oh, he, we call him Beast. Yeah, this huge yeah, guy. Yeah, you call him Beast. That's why I say Doro rules. They yeah. were huge. All four brothers. They were insanely huge. And uh, well, basically, they knew him real good because they used to always mess with him. And him being the bigger guy, they always kind of like singled him out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were walking. We were in the wrong neighborhood. Mm. It was their carnival going on. And uh, we were trying to make it to my buddy Eric's house. And, uh, yeah, we were just trying to make it there. And uh, we didn't know that the other guys were around anywhere. So we rounded a corner. And sure as shit, there was like 13, 14 of them just sitting there. And there's me and Anderson. So the guys walked up to him. And they're like, Mikey Anderson. And I was like, fuck, we're dead, dude. <laughs> and he's like, one of the guys were like, I will bury you. And it, yeah, that, that kind of like, we were like, holy shit. But before anything could happen, there was, uh, I think we got the, the cops rolled up or something. So mm -hmm. we just kind of like walked away from that situation. The, you used to work uh, for a plumbing business. Uh, and this guy, you called him Old Man Morris. Old Man Morris. Old Man Morris. Fields. <laughs> fucking Fields. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he used to throw pipe wrenches at me and everything. <laughs> so how did you get into plumbing? Was that just uh, kind of something you went into after? Did you have prior experience or what? Well, no. I was about 16, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And when I signed out of high school when I was 17, I had uh, two buddies. They were brothers. They passed away, though. Danny and Ricky Morris. They were real cool. And uh, one day, his dad needed some help over the weekend. And I made $50 a day. I thought that was big time, you know. And uh, digging holes to do sores. And uh, Danny said, you know, my dad likes the way you work and stuff. Because I've always liked, liked working. And he's like, you ever need a job? My dad said, you know, you come work for us. So when I dropped out of high school, the very next morning, I, I was at old man Morris's door. And uh, I called him up the day I uh, dropped out. And he's like, hey. He's like, yeah, show up tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Yeah. And uh, I worked with old man Morris on a plumbing truck for the first four years. And I learned everything. Like, yeah. oh, I learned how to dodge pipe wrenches, and I learned plumbing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, Anderson, uh, yeah, Big Anderson worked yeah. with you. Yeah. There's a story you tell all the time where, uh, you know, you was working on a certain spot, and Anderson was over here working <laughs> on a certain spot. And there was a girl that always walked by. <laughs> a girl. Yeah. That's lightly putting it. Yeah. Well, we, right. uh, we, got, we got a contract for the Wentworth Gardens, which is right next to Comiskey Park. It's not Comiskey, but I, that's what I call it, Comiskey. Yeah. And uh, Wentworth Gardens is a, a housing project that's right next to the ball field, the ball stadium or whatever. And uh, we were cleaning out catch basins. And uh, <laughs> Anderson sent, a, sent one of them, uh, we'll call her a street walker. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call her that. And uh, sent her over and said that... Uh, that I wanted some friendship, some company. <laughs> and I, I assured her I didn't. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. And uh, so I walked over there and I yelled at Anderson about it. And then uh, the next day, a different street walker came up to me wanting cigarettes, you know? And I was like, well, I don't have any cigarettes, but I know who does. <laughs> so I sent her over to Anderson. You know, it's like, there you go. So I waited. I waited and waited. It was probably like 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Here comes big old Anderson around the corner with a shovel in his hand. <laughs> He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs>
Well, yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, though. Yeah. So you and Anderson used to work together all the time, but sometimes yeah. you would have to go uh, on, you know, trips or jobs by yourself sometimes. Yeah. So was there ever a time where you was going by yourself and there was a problem with, you know, like people trying to come up to you and start something? Well, at Wentworth Gardens, when we first started, I went there because uh, I was still working with the boss on his truck. And uh, we had to walk through the whole housing project, which, I mean, it looked like they were filming a rap video. It was like a Thursday or a Friday or something. So we walked all the way through their uh, complex, we'll call it, and uh, to the opposite corner of it. And then we seen what the problem was. So the boss, old man Morris, just throws me the keys and tells me, you know, go get the toilet over. Because mm -hmm. there was a clogged toilet. Mm -hmm. And uh, so me being me, I had to walk all the way back by myself. So I made it basically in their courtyard, and I was passing the basketball court, and that's where I got surrounded. And uh, they wanted to know what a white boy was doing in their project, mm -hmm. which turns out, like, after this situation, you know, I told them I had an A&M plumbing shirt on, and I said, hey, you know, I'm just a plumber here to help you. And then they started, oh, my grandma ma needs this, or, you know, my baby mama needs that. And I was like, all right, we'll help you, you know. Yeah. And uh, after that, they were real cool with us and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, you can't. Through my life situations, I've noticed you can't judge a book by its cover. Just because you're in a bad neighborhood and it's bad people around, it's all, all in the way that you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're scared, they're going to mess with you. Mm -hmm. But if, you, if you're not scared and you just act like, you know, you ain't on bullshit mm -hmm. and you just, you know, you're there for a purpose. You're not there for anything else, you know, starting trouble or nothing. They they don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah they'd be cool with so you. So if if someone was to take a vacation or something to Chicago, would you tell them that it's not as bad as people say it is, or would you say that hey, don't go to this part, don't go to this part? I would, that's what I would say. I would say uh, stick to the lakeside. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, go to the north side definitely. But yeah. I mean, north side is there's still the same problems as the south side mm -hmm. see that's south side is where i was mm -hmm. but the north side they got their issues mm -hmm. it's all in location yeah. it's all where you're at like if you stay like in downtown you know and like you know like when you went to new york you you visited new york yeah i'm sure you didn't go into like the neighborhoods no you just stayed even when we went to uh, like Times Square. Right. We was, you know, we had to walk everywhere because we yeah. couldn't Uber because it was $100 to go everywhere. Oh, yeah. But we was walking to Madison, or not Madison Square Garden. We went to Madison Square Garden, but we took an Uber there. But we went to uh, Times Square, and we was walking, and there was, like, this big wall there, and you just walked around it, and you looked over, and it looked like just a bunch of people huh? just in front of the camera that just, uh -huh. you know, just, you know, on the ground doing a bunch of spins, acting, oh, okay. acting like they got a fake gun in their hand, oh, Lord. you know, shooting at the camera. Wow. Some of that stuff. But I think, I think I, that was just crazy. But even when we went to New York, Tyler, which is another episode, anyway, he asked the guy. Teaser. Yeah. But. <laughs> He told the guy that he's been to Chicago and Atlanta and all that stuff. And he, right. And the guy just looked at Tyler and said, no, nothing like New York. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I don't know. In my mind, I thought it'd be pretty. Okay. But it was really just, you know, a bunch of tall buildings and, and just concrete. smoke. Yeah, smoke. smoke and fog. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, it's legal out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Smoke and fog. 
But anyway, let's get back to Chicago. Right. Okay. So you was doing all the plumbing jobs. You was, you know, maybe having a little bit of party time hey. at night. Hey. But anyway. That's hearsay. Yeah. Hearsay. We won't get into all that. That won't hold up in court. But uh, did you ever meet anybody big? I know you, you met like a biker guy. Well, yeah. I met him through uh, my buddy Big Jim. Mm-hmm. He was an enforcer for the Hells Angels. Yeah. And uh, we were going to go outside. Can you explain what the Hells Angels is? Ah, it's a motorcycle crew. Mm-hmm. If they don't know who Hell's Angels are, it's like saying they don't know who Michael Jordan is. You know, Hell's Angels are mm-hmm. Hell's Angels. I'm but, just saying that if no one knows. Yeah. Then but um, Hell's he was Angels. an enforcer, and uh, I went outside because my buddy Big Jim wanted me to go talk to him for a minute. Yeah. And uh, when I met him, he was a big dude, had his vest on, you know, sleeved up with tattoos. Mm-hmm. Kind of intimidating, you know, and uh, he stuck his hand out to shake my hand, and he said, Steve. So I kind of looked at him, and I was like, how the fuck do you know my name? Yeah. And he was like, no, my name's Steve. I was like, well, shit, my name's Steve, too. <laughs> so he just kind of, like, kicked it off like that, you know? And uh, it was it was pretty cool, you know? Yeah. That's why you don't, you never judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. you know? You never know when people are going to be cool, or, yeah. you know? Not to bring up a dark side or anything, but before you came down here, there was a bad situation. You get that however you want to. But what was the journey to... From Chicago to get to Edmonton, it was hell. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. It it was hell. Yeah, yeah I went through, you know, I went through some hard times, and uh, yeah, your mom invited me down here, and uh, I did basically jumped at the chance, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, next thing I know, I was cruising down sixty five with your parents, yeah. and uh, you know, here I am. Yeah. Uh. This was during the winter of 2016? Yeah, I right? came down January. Yeah, the winter of 2016. And when, I think, so in 16, I'd have been 12 years old. Yeah. So I was 12 years old. And when they said that they was going to go get you, which is kind of like, if you listen to mom's uh, episode, it's kind of like the um, the twin situation. Right. Where they didn't have, we didn't know until like, you know. Two, three, four days. Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> but I looked up on Facebook, and you know, I've heard at that point in my life, I've heard like little stories or like, you know, like a fight would break out somewhere and be like, well, Steve was there. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I looked up on Facebook, and I thought you was just like going to kill us all in our sleep. Well, you know how women have the resting bitch face? Yeah. You know, I. I was always told that, like, my face, I, I always looked mean or mad yeah. or unapproachable. And I didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. It's just, you know, sometimes you just got to look like that. I mean, I don't want to plug all my prior episodes, but if you listen to the Tim Crater one, he said that he had a resting, uh, resting murderer face. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I can relate with that guy. Yeah. That's <laughs> murderer face. But that's what you want because you don't want people to look at you and be like, oh, he's, he's soft. Look at him. Yeah. You know, it's, you don't want that. Yeah, it was a weird situation. I think because really at that point I'd never met that side of mom's family. Right. At that point in my life, I've never uh-huh. met really any of. I mean, I've I hung out with them maybe for like a couple hours at Granny's house when I was over uh-huh. there when they would come down. But other than that, I mean, I'd spent more time with Jessica than any of them really. Right. Because you know she was kind of older and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, when you came here. I remember you walked in, you know, it was wintertime. You just kept shitting stuff off. <laughs> yeah, because it was yeah. cold in Chicago. <laughs> you just yeah. kept... Sh- yeah. So, so what was... How different is the winters in Chicago from 
Metcalf. Snow. The snow, you guys get maybe, on a bad day, you guys might get like four or five inches of snow. Mm -hmm. And in Chicago, that's that's nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, when I was growing up, we used to, like, uh, my friends and stuff, we would all get together in the winter. And uh, we would pair off in pairs, like twos, and we would go shoveling. We'd charge somebody 10 bucks to shovel their walkway and stuff. And uh, we, we were making a killing. And uh, the snow up there is like, one time they had to shut down Lakeshore Drive because it snowed so much. We had lake effect snow and uh, cars couldn't move anywhere. Mm -hmm. So they like, the snow up there is no joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know when you, when it snows here, you're just like, yeah, this is nothing. You're, out, you're yeah. out there in it and you're just yeah. shoveling it. And you're like, yeah, if it don't come up to your yeah, knees, it's then like, it whatever. ain't snow. <laughs> But nope. you have uh, you have a lot of you know scars or something like that you know with your rib it's kind of caved in right right you I got a, you know you took a baseball bat to the rib <laughs> you might you probably have a few scars you know knives or whatever but if you could give any advice to someone that's younger that's kind of in a bad situation what kind of advice would you give them stay in school stay in school it might sound like it might sound like Generic. you know. It might sound generic. Yeah. It might sound, uh, how would you say it, nerdy. Mm -hmm. But when you once you get older, I'm in my 40s now. Mm. We're talking, you know, this was a while ago, many, many moons. Yeah. And if I could change something different, I wouldn't hang out with my friends so much. I would stay in school because mm. once you get older, basically like your friends, you'll lose a lot. Not like dying, yeah. but you'll lose a lot of friends. You know, you won't... I wasn't thinking about the future. Yeah. You always have to have your future in in perspective because that's what you're going to have to deal with basically. Yeah. And they say money don't make or money don't make you happy or can't buy happiness. But I always said, you know, like money don't doesn't buy you happiness, but it can make you live comfortably. Yeah. Like once you get older, if you got the money, then and you're going through hard times, I, I always say I'd rather cry on a porch mm -hmm. than cry on a curb. Yeah. I mean, if you ain't got shit, you're going to be assed out. You yeah. know? Stack your money. You always say it's not as cool as if, you know, somebody's doing it. It's not as cool. They won't think it's as cool as, in 10 years as they do now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of... And it's like my past I'm not proud of, but mm -hmm. it's something I can't change. Yeah. And... That's why I say sometimes I wish I was, I grew up down here, but I wouldn't be the same person I am. Mm -hmm. You know, if anything, like growing up and now, I mean, I, I'm still trying to get it under control, but I curse a lot, mm -hmm. you know, like out. And usually when people cuss, they're mad. Yeah. I use cuss words as commas, you know, <laughs> like it's just how it is. Yeah. And I, it, that's even uh, one time I caught myself cussing here and I had to look at the twins mm -hmm. and I said, hey. Don't say what I say. And they said, I know. Yeah. And that's when you know, like, if, if a six-year-old is telling yeah. you, oh, I know, then you have a cussing problem. Yeah. You know? So you've been down here for, you said 2016 is 2022. Going on, going on six in six, uh, January. Yeah, six in January. So you've been down here this long. You said that you've never, you don't have any desire to go back. No. No, no desire at all. Not at all. No. It's, uh... It's rough up there. I mean, it's only getting worse. Like in my generation, people used to always fight. Mm -hmm. You know, you fight, you might get your ass whooped, you know, but you live. Yeah. Nowadays, don't go grab a gun before they throw 
a punch, yeah. and that shit ain't right. Yeah. You know that don't anybody anybody could shoot. Any it don't take much. It's just a little flick of the finger, yeah. and you know. But to fight, it it just it was different. And nowadays, the people just don't care. Yeah. I don't know. And it's not more respect. It's just stupidity. Yeah. Really, the worst thing I the worst thing I guess that. Y'all would have to deal with with like a baseball bat. Yeah, baseball bats or wrenches or, you know, there was a couple times like my buddies, I had a couple buddies shot, you know, a couple buddies like that. But I mean, it's just, it's stupid. The street life is stupid. That's why I say stay in school. Because when you get older, it's not about like, you know, you still have your memories, but it's all about what you got right now. And uh, when I came down here... (laughs) I uh I established myself finally and got my own apartment and stuff, yeah. you know, worked for the school. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah. You know, but then, you know, being stupid, I went chasing a woman in mm-hmm. Somerset. Why not? Yeah. You know, it sounded good. <laughs> hey. Why not? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was like my turning point down here where if, like, for the six years I've been down here, if mm-hmm. I could change one thing, yeah. I wouldn't have gave up that apartment yeah. to go chase somebody in Somerset. Mm-hmm. You know, and who knows what I, where I'd be now. Yeah. But... Yeah, that was a really good situation you had there. Absolutely. At the, at the yeah. apartment there. Yeah, I had a two-bedroom apartment. It was, it was nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, had a full-time job at the school. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing big things. Yeah. Then, you know? So, overall, I think, you know, my mom and dad kind of helped you with the social. Oh, absolutely. Stuff. But was everybody kind of really accepting? Or did you have any problems with anybody? Oh, no, not down here. You never... Yeah. The people down here don't have problems, basically. God's country. Yeah, God's country, <laughs> definitely. I mean, the southern southern ways. Uh, I mean, the Ken- Kentuckians, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, everyone was accepting and stuff, you know, like that. But uh, right. I, I was told a time or two I talk funny. Mm-hmm. I cuss a lot, yeah. you know? And it's like I have no filter. So I'm sure, like, people looked at me like, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah. For example, uh, when the cafe was starting... Yeah. Okay, I had, uh, I'm going to name drop Huffman yeah. and uh, Jamie Howard. We were standing inside the uh, cafe, and uh, the floors needed to be done. And uh, Jamie made the remark, oh, it's okay, they call me Tigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, oh, it's okay, Tigger, just give it a lick and a promise. I've never heard that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so me being me, I looked at Huffman, and I was like, licking a promise? I was like, that sounds like a start of a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they, I don't, I don't think they were ready for me. Yeah, but yeah, well, nobody were, around here really has your background, though. It's right, different. you haven't really met anybody from a that no. lives here now that is from a big city like that. Right, I mean, your With, mom was, yeah, but she, she left in fourth yeah, so, grade. Uh, you know, that's be, before, like you know, her teenage years and she uh-huh. got older and stuff. It's yeah. probably the best. Yeah. It's for the best. Which her move. Here and your move here, two totally different things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because she hated it when she came here first. Yeah. Because she said that it was very, you know, got bullied and stuff. Culture shock. Yeah, and culture stuff shock. Like that. Uh, and with you, it's just like you know, the social life didn't. Well, I think you're easy to talk to anyway. Really. Yeah. Even if you did, if mom and dad really didn't help you socially, I think you'd been fine anyway. Yeah. Because you know, it's just. It's just who you are. It's like with my sister. She she lived in Chicago, and she's got four kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as uh, Jessica hit, uh, like, almost to high school, she moved out of Chicago. She moved into Indiana. Mm-hmm. And that was the best move she made for the kids because I do believe almost all of them except uh, Junior 
uh, all went to uh, like Purdue. So you know yeah. they, she actually like gave them a chance. Yeah, and that was the best thing she could do for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought like that's a lot of like even like the movies and stuff. They're like, we got to get out of this place. Yeah, and then once you get out, it's like you. It's like you're living on a hill in Hollywood. Yep, it's yep. Like, that's how it is. Yeah. It's like less drama, less. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's all about like location. Yeah. It's if, if you know, you can't reach for the stars if you're sitting there swimming in a gutter. You know, you got to get out of it, and you got to like, you got to you got to put yourself in a position that betters yourself. Yeah. Like you can't climb the ladder if you don't take a step. Yeah. You know, you're and that's what you got to do. Is there anything that? Any story, anything you want to put out there as we get to the end of this? Oh, anybody you want to shout out? Shout outs. Anything like that? Shout outs. Are we good? Uh, well, I just, uh, you know, I got to give your mom props and your dad, yeah. Teddy, for uh, bringing me down here because who knows? I, I might not even be talking right now or breathing mm-hmm. if they didn't asked me to come down here because yeah. you know sometimes it's not like i was running from anything it was just like i hit a brick wall and i i had no way to go around it mm-hmm. so basically what they did was they just you know they helped me out a whole lot mm-hmm. so yeah i love it down here and uh you know i'm starting to i use, I use a little bit of the twang the, stuff here and there you know now you get used to it yeah but i'm see i i don't know it's all about enjoying life that's why i, I think i'm not crazy. I don't want to say crazy because yeah. I don't want them people in white coats coming after me. <laughs> fucking see me running down the fucking road. But I mean, uh, like, you just got to enjoy life. Just mm-hmm. take it as it is, handle your business, and just, you know, keep on going. Yeah. And if you're doing stupid stuff, you're only going to have a stupid future. You know, you got to you gotta put your mind where you want to be. And that's about it. That's why... I love kidding around with, like, you, the mm-hmm. kids, everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'd start thinking, and I'm like, well, they probably think I'm fucking nuts. <laughs> but in a way, I am. It's just, yeah. I, I like to enjoy it because, like, I never thought in my teen years I would even make it to 43. Yeah. Nobody, nobody cared about it. Yeah. You know, and a lot of my friends didn't, so I'm just happy I did, mm-hmm. basically. Well, everybody, uh, tune in this Friday. I'll have Chris Smith on uh tune in next week not sure who the uh guest is going to be yet but uh that'll be up either wednesday or thursday next week steve glad you uh did the episode yes sir keep on shaking the tree i want to see who falls out next (laughs) hope it land on your head well thank you for doing this uh hope that you know everything goes well for you here well you got well you're doing a hell of a job too though i mean look at look at the guys you interviewed already you got me sitting here once you had dustin poirier i mean come on that's like night and day yeah i just you uh, know hell yeah i hope everything goes well for you and uh you know just hope you have a good life down here again well hey i appreciate you having me on it's it's good times